We are in a series called This Is What We Do. Some of the things that we've talked about, number one is we give generously. Over the last few weeks, we've really honed into the fact that when we give generously, we trust God extravagantly. And then this morning, we want to impact eternity, which is one of our, it's part of our mission. And we will impact eternity unimaginably, exceedingly and abundantly more than you even realized that you could or would whenever we learn how to trust God. We serve this cycle, whether we know it or not, we're either serving the cycle of the culture in which we live, or we're serving the cycle of the kingdom of God in which we surrender. The, the culture in which we live is a cycle of scarcity. It's a, it's a cycle of never enough. It, it starts out while, when God supplies, even if you recognize, whether you recognize it was Him that supplied it or not, when God supplies, we consume, right? We, as soon as we get it, we use it. Uh, as soon as we receive it, we spend it. Come on. <laughs> we consume, and, then, and that causes us to lack. You know, we live paycheck to paycheck, and at the end of every month, it never goes far enough because we got it from God, and then we send it right back out. We, we, some of us live above our means, and some of us are trying, and we're giving our best, but we're just in this, we're stuck in this cycle of scarcity where we consume, we lack, and we fear, and then we get another paycheck, or we go out and we get another, uh, a, another business opportunity, or whatever it looks like, and we consume and lack and fear. And I don't believe that that cycle is the cycle from God. I believe that we serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hilltops. He's a God of provision. In fact, he's a God of abundance. It's one of the things that Jesus said that he came to accomplish. I came that you may have life. Listen, if he would have stopped right there, that would have been enough for me. But the Son of God wanted to make sure that we knew that he didn't just come for us to live. He came for us to live in his abundance. That we serve a God of extravagance and abundance. And that is not just tied to our wealth and possession. That is tied to our living not just how we make a living, but how we live as we make it. And as God supplies, we serve a different cycle. When we give, we see God's abundance. God takes what we give and he multiplies it into places that we didn't even see coming. That exceeds our expectations if we don't put him in the box of our own desires. He multiplies into kingdom work. He multiplies into more than we could have ever seen coming. And then our faith begins to grow. And we start that cycle of abundance over and over again. We give. He multiplies. Our faith grows. We give again. We give some more. He multiplies. And our faith grows. Why do we give generously? Why do we do that? Like, I get that we do, but, and I get that we should, but why? I told a story this morning of a, a young man that grew up on the front row of the church. He had a drug problem when he was a kid. He was drugged to church on Wednesday, prayer meeting on Friday, 
Sunday school on Sunday morning, which none of us wanted to go to unless somebody brought donuts or McDonald's. Come on, somebody. You weren't there on purpose. Somebody made you go to that that early in the morning. We, had, we were drugged to service, and we sat in the front row, and if you moved or tried to have fun, you got pinched in places that other people couldn't see. You know what I'm talking about. We were there. We were there. This young man began to be actively involved in his youth group, and he sang in the youth choir. He led studies at FCA, and, and God would use him in front of other people. There were seasons of success and spiritual fruition in his life. He was water baptized when he was seven years old. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of a prayer language at 19 years old. But all that time, under the surface, behind closed doors, he was grossly addicted to inappropriate images. And that gross addiction began to manifest itself in all kinds of impurities until ultimately he was living a life of promiscuity and suffering the consequences thereof. See, that's only the half of the worst of it. The worst of all of that is that he was living that way in rebellion to the face of God, the Son of God, and he knew what he should be doing. He knew better than to live that way. That young man at 21 years old made a statement that I will follow Jesus with all of my heart for the rest of my life. Where you go, I will go. Where you lead, I will follow. What you say to give, I will give. And today, that young man is your pastor and he's believing and seeing God move. Why do we give generously? Because we understand what God has given for us. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, that as you go, which every disciple should be, in your avenue of life. So listen, what you do for a living does not define you. That is not your substance. That is not your security. What you do for a living is a means of provision for you to provide life to the people that are around you. It is a means to an end, not the purpose behind who you are. The Bible says, go, preach, what does it mean to preach? Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not going out in public to preach. It just means to share your story, to tell of the goodness of God, the greatness of God, to make the most of every opportunity. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's way more than just this temporary life that we live in. Verse 8 says, heal the sick. So be willing to pray with people in their brokenness. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the spiritually dead, maybe even the physically dead. Cast out demons. Speak to the things that haunt people and tell them about the life that Jesus has for them. Why? Why do you give generously? Because freely you have received. So freely give. I'm so grateful that even though I knew better, God never gave up on me. That even though I knew better, God never quit giving and sending people on his behalf. Even when I knew what I should do and I didn't do it. We give generously, number one, because we believe God's word. Heard a story of a young lady in a series on giving and they were receiving an offering that morning and she had $5.35 in her checking account. Uh, she went to write a check. A, a check is a piece of paper. <laughs> Take a pen and you make it out to whom you... Some of you need to Google that. They can define that for you. She went to write a check for $5, and she froze in fear. 
And she was embarrassed to even share this story, but she froze in fear because she only had $5.35 to her name in her account. And so instead of writing a $5 check, she sensed the Holy Spirit release her to just write a $1 check. And she wrote a $1 check, almost embarrassed by writing that $1 check. And she put it in the offering, and, and she went home, and she went to her small group that night, and she was sharing, uh, or she went to her small group that night, and somebody in that small group handed her what we call a Pentecostal handshake, wherever they hand her something in that handshake that she didn't see coming. And she opened that up later that evening. It was a check for $1,000 that she didn't see coming. It was a moment where God revealed himself to her. The pastor of the church heard that story, and he was like, that's amazing, but you know what you should have done, right? She said, what, pastor? He said, you should have wrote $5. <laughs> I've seen God move in that way. Did you know that not just since we started this series, but over the last year, out of this church, people have received four vehicles, either from someone anonymously in the church purchasing them a vehicle or paying off their vehicle or you as a church buying a vehicle for someone in need. Four vehicles over the last year have been purchased for other people on behalf and in the name of Jesus. I have a friend, this is a first-hand testimony, a friend who sensed God leading him to give in an offering. And it was an extravagant gift. He gave in an offering to speed the light. Megan and I, actually, very similar story. Uh, as we sensed that God was telling us to give at least $500 to get our giving up that year to $10,000. And I just sensed we were supposed to give this amount. And so I said, okay, God, if we're, if we're close to $10,000, I'll do it. So I went and asked our finance lady, hey, how close are we to, to $10,000? And she said, well, if we write the check right now, we're at $9,548. And I thought, it must be the Lord wanting somebody to give $500 in that. So we were obedient to that. And I went to church that Sunday, and this lady who had no idea what I just did walked up to Megan and me, and she put a check in my hand, and I put it in my pocket. I didn't even look at it. I went and sat down beside my wife, and I opened it up, and it was a $1,500 check from this lady to which I was very grateful that God revealed himself that way. But then I thought, what if I'd have been disobedient? Would this have happened? Or would I know how convicted I would be because I didn't listen to God, but she did? My friend gave this immaculate offering to God, this extravagant offering to God, and he opened up his mailbox one day. He came in, and he opened up a letter, and it was a letter from someone in his church with a six-figure check that paid off, of his, paid off his mortgage to his house. Let me ask you a question. You can just wave at me without shouting too loud because I don't want to embarrass you, but how many of you would like to be blessed that way? <laughs> all right, several hands going up all over the room, but we believe God's Word, right? And just a couple of weeks ago, I said from God's word that Paul remembered the words of the Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So in those stories, who received the greater blessing? The one that got the car? The one whose house was paid off? Who were we talking about? Yes, Lord, that's me. I want that blessing. But were we talking about the one that received? Or the one that gave. Because when we believe God's word, we don't need him to do anything through, 
to us. We just want him to make sure and do things through us. That the greater blessing is truly to give generously and watch what God uses it to do temporarily and eternally. But as long as he does it in his name, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we trust God extravagantly. We believe his word and we trust God extravagantly. I don't have permission to share the name of this person, but they shared it with me. And before this series, we had had some conversation. They were in a, in a financial bond because of moving jobs and the purchase of a house here and the purchase of a house here. And it, they had to have a place for their family. And they've been trying to sell this house and they were in this note and and this person's traveling a lot and not able to be home. And they were just he was stressed out and they were they were having a hard time and and they were trying to believe God. But God just wasn't revealing himself. And so they did what most of us would probably never do. They came at the beginning of this series and they gave instead of 10 percent, they gave 50 percent. And I was like, wow, praise God. God, you gave more than me. I don't do that. (laughs) And this person said, no, but when we gave that Sunday, two days later, somebody called and we had a renter in one of our homes before the end of the week. That's how God revealed himself to us. We trusted God extravagantly. and, And we understand the biblical principle. It's not give to get, but it's give to trust. The biblical principle that whatsoever a man shall sow, he shall also reap. And I don't need God to reveal himself again in that way to believe that he is who he said he is and he can do what he said he could do. I have another a friend in the state of Arkansas. He's in full-time ministry. He and his wife, they've traveled as evangelists. They've pastored churches. And they've never given in to the enemy's temptation to do something else for a living, even when they were strapped and even when they had to believe God up to the last second. When this guy was 15 years old, that's how long ago this was, we were still um, be able to get our license at about 15 or 16 or 15 instead of 16. You remember before they changed that? How miserable was that? That was like right on on the cutoff line for me. Best move we've ever made. The craziest thing in the world is give a 15-year-old a set of keys and send them out. Go to the glory of God. Well, they're going to meet Jesus, but it ain't the way you want them to. So anyways, he had gone to purchase a vehicle. Uh, He had saved up all on his own. His family was not going to afford a vehicle for him, and he had saved up. He had worked hard. He had put it all in the bank, and as he was going to get the money out of the bank to buy the vehicle, he heard that still, small voice in his heart, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give it. So he gave it to speed the light, and the district youth director of the state of Arkansas heard about it, and he called him, and he visited with him. He's like, man, like, what did, what did God do? Did somebody buy you a car? Did somebody give you the amount of money? Did, did God reveal himself and give you tenfold or a hundredfold? Like, what happened next? What did God do? He's like, nothing. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Is it, he didn't do anything. He's like, I mean, he bought a vehicle for the missionaries that needed one, and now they're going to be able to share the gospel. He didn't do anything for me. We have a guy in our church just a few weeks ago that was telling me it was several years back now, but the Holy Spirit began to deal with his heart on whether he really trusted him or not. And as the church was receiving an offering, he had $20 to his name and he had it on him. And he wouldn't put in that $20 in that bucket unless it was the voice of God. He was going to give a little just to make sure that he gave that Sunday and said, God, and God said, give it all. Put everything that you have. 
And he said, God, I can't do that. This is all I have. And the Holy Spirit said, are you all in or not? And he put that $20 in the bucket. And they probably struggled through that week. He didn't even tell me the testimony that followed that part of the story. But to this day, that, still man, that man still serves in this church. To this day, my friend, who didn't know what God was going to do at 15 and 16 years old, has stayed faithful to the call on his life, even when God didn't give him a vehicle because he gave all the money. Even when God didn't show up and show out the way that most of us would expect him to, he still trusted God extravagantly because he understood that it wasn't this life that he was looking for a reward in alone. That there was way more important things out there than him just having a ride from one place to another. See, the tithe is not about a percent it's about a priority the tithe although by definition means 10 percent and we understand according to the offering of Cain and Abel that it's very important that it comes as the first fruit not after we've spent it on some of the other things and we give God our leftovers but we give God our best and we give God our first but it's way more about the priority than it is about the percentage let me say it this way Giving generously is not about the amount. It's about the act of obedience. Giving of your time is not about the amount. It's about the obedience. See, you don't have to pray for 20 minutes, but if God says pray 20 seconds, you better get to praying. You don't have to give $2,000, but if God says buy her meal and then ask her and tell her why you did it, give her a God loves you card that we've got thousands of not being handed out all over town and we need to get them out and get them to you. If God says it, then you do it and you don't need anything in return except for knowing that you were obedient to the voice of God. We give generously because God gave. We trust extravagantly because we believe in who he is. And we become more interested in saving our city than we are saving our seat. See, I, I concern myself, and I want to say this carefully, but it concerns me when somebody gives to get, and they need God to reveal them, himself over and over and over again for them to believe. It concerns me when, when people need God to reveal himself because when he does, it's not too long before they need him to do it again. But I have a lot of confidence and a lot of faith in people who let God reveal himself through them. Who let God reveal himself through their giving of their time. Through their giving of their energy, their effort, their emotion, and certainly their wealth and possession. See... I know a lot of people who have received a lot of things in the name of Jesus. And a lot of those people are not still serving God today because they needed him to do something else just a week or two later. And when he didn't do it because their relationship with him was based on what he would do for them, they left. But the people that gave those vehicles... The people that sowed those offerings because they trusted in a God of extravagance whether they saw the fruition in this life or the next because it wasn't about an amount. It was about the obedience. It wasn't about a percent. It was about the priority. They're still serving God faithfully today because they don't need to, God to do anything else for them as long as he continues to reveal himself through them because he put his son on a cross 2,000 years ago and for them their salvation was enough. Freely we received and therefore freely we 
we give, we trust him extravagantly. See, I want to reach a place in my relationship with God where I don't need him to do something over and over again for me to believe. I don't need him to pay for another thing for me so that I will believe. And if he doesn't, I doubt. I want to get in, my, get in a place in my relationship with God where I trust him and I believe in him because of who he is and what he's already done. Would you watch this testimony this morning and let God minister to you? Hello, my name is Monica DeBeal. November is a month for giving thanks, and I have so much to be thankful for. Even though on December 27th, 2018, our lives were shattered. My husband, my kid's father, and our baby's grandfather, our rock, was taken from us at the age of 56 by someone that had entered his truck, not knowing we were in the shadows of the carport. As Scott went to confront him, this person, unbeknownst to Scott, had a gun and fired. I found him on his knees, barely breathing. He died 12 hours later at a Lafayette hospital. We were left in shock, confused, devastated, and above all, angry. But my so very strong daughter kept telling us that we couldn't let this evil consume our lives. We had to hold strong as a family, and God would see us through. But I knew we couldn't do it on our own. Then I met Pastor Chris Fry and his beautiful wife, Megan. After our long and very tearful talk, I knew we had found a home, and God was going to wrap his loving arms around my family, and he was going to be there every step of the way through my journey. On Wednesday, January 23rd, I walked through the doors of New Hope, and my heart just opened up. I could finally breathe. I felt the presence of God like I've never felt before. Because of the turmoil we were thrown into due to Scott's tragic death, I knew we had two paths we could choose, a path to destruction or a path to salvation, and I thank God we chose the right one. Casey, Ryan, Garrett, their families, and I have all joined New Hope, and we are now worshiping together as a family. He has led my family to a church with the most godly pastors and the most caring and loving church family. It has been 11 months, and in this time, I have served on a team, joined small groups, went through the Freedom Curriculum, and enjoyed an amazing Freedom Conference, and have also been baptized. I'm thankful for my three amazing kids and their families, and for very supportive family and friends that have helped me on those crippling dark days. But most of all, I'm thankful for the beautiful memories of 37 years of marriage I have in my heart. Because of New Hope, I know that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, who gave his life for all of mankind. I am finding freedom through his word. I want to find a purpose through the tragedy of Scott's death. I hope to one day be able to minister to someone who may be going through something similar to what I've gone through. For them to know that through Christ, anything is possible. God has given each of us a spiritual gift that we can use to impact eternity. This is what we do.
Come on, can you praise God for this family and what he's doing in and through their lives? You can be seated. I, I love this family. I, I love Miss Monica. It was, I want you to know that that, that wasn't uh, at our coercing that she shared her testimony, and it was at her desire. And one of the things that Casey had said to her, and one of the things that, that we've talked about a lot that came from them was not allowing something that the enemy meant for evil to remain that way. See, whether it was a loss of a loved one or, or something that you went through in your past, something that somebody did to you, or something maybe even that was a consequence of your own decisions and your own choices, we trust God extravagantly. So the battle's not over, but it belongs to the Lord. Your glory days are not behind you. You were created in the image and for the glory of an almighty God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could even ask, think, or imagine. He can help you to impact eternity unimaginably. Even in the midst of your tragedy. Even in the midst of your trial. I don't have time to go into this in depth, but... I'm not the God that believes that everything happens for a reason. There are some things that happen that God is not in. There are some things that happen because we live in a fallen world around fallen people. And, and we are in a world where there's a prince of darkness and an accuser of the brethren. But how many of you know that greater is he that is in me than anything in the world that can come against me? So I'm not bound by my past. God redeems that to put me in my present and make a difference in other people. He uses that abuse. He uses that loss. He uses that tragedy. And he uses you to shove it down the throat of the devil and make a difference in eternity in a way that you could have never even imagined him doing. And we learn how to trust God. For who he is and what he's already done, we impact eternity unimaginably. I'm going to fast forward through this story. Many of you know it, but some of you, this will be the first time. It's a story that Jesus shared with his disciples in the presence of people that didn't even believe in him. He shared a story of a man referred to as the Good Samaritan. See, there was this one individual, a Jewish individual, that was beaten up. He was bruised. He was forsaken. And he was left for dead on the street. And a person of elite status walked by and saw him, but he was too busy to make the most of that opportunity. A person filled with the Spirit and supposed to be a representative of God, a priest, walked by him. And he looked at his lost hurting, broken brother according to Hebrew tradition. But he had too many other things to take care of, so he kept going. The Bible says this good Samaritan saw the brokenness 
saw the beaten, saw the hurting, and he picked him up and he helped him get into the city. He ministered to his wounds and he put him up in a what we would a modern day motel or hotel. And then we pick up in this passage in Luke chapter 10 verse 35. The Bible says on the next day when he, the good Samaritan, departed, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper. I can see this similar story when Jesus gives the talents to the ones that he trusts. He gives them and he says, hey, I'm giving this to you. And I want you to use it for my kingdom and for my glory. Very similar perspective here in this story. For the first time I was reading this and I saw Jesus as the good Samaritan. And us as the innkeeper. And the innkeeper received the denarii that he didn't deserve, that he didn't earn. And his responsibility was to take care of the broken, the beating, and the hurting. And when the good Samaritan left, he said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. I want you to look at that phrase and I want you to let it settle in your heart. Because I know that Jesus, when he ascended into the heavens, he left us the spiritual gifts to which Miss Monica referred. He left us wealth and possession. And there are broken and hurting, hurting and beaten down people in this city, in this state, across this nation, and certainly around the world. And Jesus said, I'm giving you the ability to meet their need. It's not about me just ministering to you, although we all come into a place where we need him to reveal himself, where we need him to come through, but it's about taking what God has given us and using it to minister to somebody else so that God can reveal himself through us and not just to us. Just like the good Samaritan said, I believe Jesus is saying this morning, you don't have to make an opportunity, but you've got to make the most of the opportunity. I have come that you would have life and have it in abundance so go and preach the gospel heal the sick cleanse the leper cast out the demon give generously why freely you have received freely give why because I'm coming back and when I come back you will see how valuable every dollar you gave every cup of water every ounce of energy every investment that you made for the sake of my kingdom I will repay you it will be worth it if you will just endure to the end never give up never give in live in the unimaginable more than you could even ask allowing God to take your worst allowing God to take your weakness and reveal his best the story is not over as long as you know the author. <laughs> Come on, give him praise. If you would, right where you sit, would you bow your head and close your eyes? We've had our time of prayer and we'll have another one. If you need to 
come forward and let somebody agree with you in prayer, then you have another chance. All you got to do is hang out with us for one more worship set. But right now, I believe that there are people in this room that just need to sense the presence of God. This message is all over you. God's word is stirring in you. If you're in the room right now and you need God to reveal himself in your finances. You need God to reveal himself in your fear. You need God to show himself faithful because of what you're going through. Nobody looking around. I want you right where you sit. This is not a show, it's just an act of obedience. Right where you sit with your head bowed and your eye closed, I just want you to open up your hands right where you are. If you've been praying for God to fill the void in your heart and in your life, right where you are, open up your hands. The Bible says that Jesus in John chapter 20, he walked into the room and he breathed, said, receive the Holy Spirit. I pray that the God of provision begin to reveal himself to you as you surrender to him and learn to obey everything, every single time he speaks. I pray that the God of healing begin a great work in and through you. Begin to reveal himself in you and through you. This morning there are needs and there are desires and there are wants. There's pressure and there's problems. But I'm telling you, I know the only one that can fill the true void in your heart. Everything else is just a byproduct of the main issue. If you're in this room this morning, and Jesus is not your first. He's not your priority. Maybe he was at one time, but you have drifted in your relationship with him. Maybe he never really has been. And today, right now, right where you sit, you need to receive salvation. You need to start anew. Start fresh. Surrender your life to Him with nobody looking around again right where you sit. I want to encourage you. Just open up your hands in your lap. Right where you are. This is between you and God. This isn't between your friend. It's not even between you and your spouse. It's between you and your Savior. Lord, if there's anybody in here that's not confident in their relationship with you, that's not in right relationship with you. God, right now, right now, reveal yourself. Open your hands as an act of surrender. Church, I want to invite you to do this with us this morning. And I invite you to confess this prayer with all of your heart, especially if you fit into any of those categories. 
But even if you're following Jesus with all your heart right now today, I want to encourage you to partner. Let's join our faith together. Come on, with open hands, let's pray this prayer. Jesus, forgive me for falling short, for not trusting you, for not putting you first. Today I commit, I surrender. Use me. Take my life. Make it yours. I believe in your word, in what it says, and who you are. You gave your life so I could live in abundance. May I follow you with all of my heart, my emotion, my energy, and my obedience. I belong to you. Use me to build your kingdom and minister to every person you put in my path. In Jesus' name, amen.